no one expects you to know everything, but if you come at it from the perspective of how can I help, what can I do here, how can I contribute, that really goes a long way. Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. This is Annalise Corbin, Chief Goddess of the Past Foundation and your host. We hear frequently that the global education system is broken. In fact, we spend billions of dollars trying to fix something that's actually not broken at all, but rather irrelevant. It's obsolete. A hundred years ago, it functioned fine. So let's talk about how we reimagine, rethink, and redesign our educational system. So as always, I am super excited about the conversation that we are going to be having today on Learning Unboxed. We're going to be talking about digital innovation. And joining me today is Jasmine DeGaia, who is currently the Executive Director of Transformation at J.P. Morgan Chase & Company. And Jasmine comes to her work with over 20 years of experience building and leading innovative digital and agile organizations. So Jasmine, welcome to the program. Thanks, Annalise. It's a pleasure to be here. So a little bit of just sort of context for our listeners today um, as we think about digital innovation and what all of that means in today's world, uh, particularly right now, we can clearly see that at some level, every company is now a tech company. Uh, That was directly from, from Jasmine. And I was really, really intrigued by this statement because I think that in the midst of everything that's happened with a global pandemic, that that is so incredibly true in ways that we haven't seen. I think it's always been sort of an underlying uh, trend as companies sort of move through the 21st century, but uh, was brought home by a pandemic. And so I want to spend a little bit of time digging in to exactly what you mean by that, Jasmine. Yeah, absolutely. So when we think about digital innovation, a lot of times we think that it pertains largely to technology companies or startups. And the reality is that it is so critical to the success of virtually every organization. I think you're spot on in that particularly what we've seen happen in the in the recent environment has put a huge spotlight on that fact. And being able to really dig into technology and infrastructure and data is going to be foundational to how organizations see their success long-term. And in particular, I think thinking through how we can harness the data that organizations are a lot of times organically collecting through their processes and thinking through how do you leverage that data and that technology to transform your customer experience and to drive innovation is really going to be key over over the next several years. And, and the piece that I also really love about that is we have conversations all the time at PAST about the way the educational system has to transform to make sure that we're preparing students for these potential careers that are not the norm, right? And at the end of the day, especially as, you know, there's a global push to change the face, quite literally and figuratively, of our STEM professionals globally, we also have to recognize that it's not just that it has to look and feel different, but it has to behave very differently in terms of its understanding of what the future of STEM STEM fields and careers 
hold. And yet that's a very, very difficult thing, quite frankly, for K-12 and even to some extent post-secondary to really sort of grapple with as it relates to how do we then help folks be prepared for what that's going to be. And so I use that as a bit of my lead-in to ask you my question specifically about J.P. Morgan Chase and Company is a big company doing some really remarkable and and dynamic things. And I think many things that most folks who say, hey, I know what J.P. Morgan Chase does, but do they really? And I think that that gets to the heart of a lot of companies these days. You know, what, 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 what is happening back there behind the scenes that says this company is collectively investing in a future of STEM that's tied to having a solid understanding of technology? And that big question around data and data analytics, and what do we do with all this stuff and how does it influence the way we do business? These are really complex questions. Yeah, they, they really are. And I think there's, there's truly an opportunity here, whether regardless of what industry you're looking at, for students and educators to really think through creatively what's the opportunity that's going to be presented in the next 5, 10, 15 years, and what are the skill sets that are going to be critical to creating a path to success in that new environment. I'll take an example that's very low-tech, if you will, or traditionally thought of as low-tech, if you think about, say, grocery stores. And say 10, 15 years ago, no one was buying groceries online. And maybe if you did, it was a very niche experience. It was probably expensive. It wasn't something you could easily do. Two to three years ago, you could do it, but it wasn't mainstream. Mm -hmm. There wasn't really kind of, you had people dabbling, early adopters who might've been using it. And retailers were still figuring out, how do I price this? How do I do logistics? How do I support it? How do I have staffing for it, right? It was still very early stage. And if you look at what's happened now, as a result of the environment that we've been recently, it's totally transformed that process and accelerated Absolutely. and fast-tracked yeah. those changes. Mm-hmm. And now, Everyone does online shopping, curbside pickup, uh, you know, to your door delivery, and it's really just fast-tracked that entire process. And so if you think about that, I think it it really raises some interesting opportunities to explore how you can use technology and data, even in, let's say, quote-unquote, low-tech industries or organizations, and explore the, the skill sets that could be used there. So the the interesting thing, if you kind of pull the thread on that example a little bit, is the transformation was not in the product itself or in the groceries or the food. Right. The right. transformation was in the technology and the data and the infrastructure and the logistics. And so as you know, as our educational system really thinks about that, it to me presents a huge opportunity to build out skills really in two different dimensions. One would be on an analytical and technology Mm -hmm. perspective. So thinking through data analytics, um, data modeling, decision sciences, lead optimization, as well as the technologies that can be used to support that, like machine learning, AI, big data, automation, um, as really skills that are going to become increasingly important. And I think the second big dimension there is really around creativity and innovation. Mm-hmm. If you think about how you can really use that information in a meaningful way to the customer, how do you translate that into customized online offers for, for folks or mm-hmm. proactive sales and marketing tools or recurring transactions? So can you lock in your customers? 
coming back to that grocery example. So they don't go and shop at a different store each week. But right. if you can say, I saw you bought milk last week, I've already put it in your cart for this week, wow. you know, and we've scheduled your, <laughs> your groceries, we know what you need. And then even taking that one step further to how do you mix and match the data that an organization might have internally with external data. And so say in that example, if you could, if your system could automatically say, I see you scheduled your grocery pickup for three o'clock on Wednesday afternoon. The weather data that I have for your local area says it's you're supposed to get five inches of snow that day. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to automatically reschedule your grocery pickup to Tuesday so you don't have to be, you know, caught in the midst of that? Like that would be great to a customer, right? When you think about the customer That would be spectacular if you could get folks over the hump of, is that scary? Because I do think that that's part of the thing, right? That people don't understand the the power of data or the depth of data or what is truly possible. And I love that example that you provided. You know, hey, it's going to snow. We could do this on Tuesday or we could wait again until Thursday. Do you have a preference on what's going on here? That That's really putting, A, the power of the data on one hand, but also then the power of choice in the hands of the consumer in ways that they, they would never even think about, right? Exactly, exactly. And it's that creativity. And I think... If you can bring those two pieces together, both the data and the analytics alongside the creativity and the innovation, and how do you how do you bring those pieces together? That's going to be to me really the the kind of skill sets of the future that if students and educators can think about how do I hone those skills, it will really set them up for a world of opportunities, regardless of the industry that they choose. Absolutely. There's so many things, so many threads I want to pull on on that that little piece of the conversation we just had. So I I want to start by stepping back just a little bit to help our listeners understand. So I want to come back to JPMorgan Chase and how how does a company like JPMorgan Chase, I mean, the fact that there is a position that you have as the executive director of transformation at this company, I think that speaks volumes. So what exactly does that mean into a company like a J.P. Morgan Chase and others? What's what's the signaling that's happening there um, at an industry level? I, I really want to get at the industry component before we dig back into how we would translate some of these really important pieces into uh, you know gaining or changing those skills. Yeah, yeah, excellent question. I think it really aligns even to the example we just had, whether it's low tech or high tech Mm -hmm. um, in manufacturing or financial services, regardless of the industry, a lot of the things that we are really focusing on at at the firm are how do you use technology and data and harness the power of that data to transform the customer experience and looking very holistically across the entire organization. So for example, if someone has a banking, checking relationship with us, how do you leverage that data that you have when later they come to look for a mortgage or apply for a credit card? Mm-hmm. Because essentially from the customer lens, it's they're interacting with one organization and they are one customer. And so it's really important, particularly I think for large organizations to respect that and think of how you can bring that data together in one cohesive reliable way that you can not only present it in a single format to the customer, but also take it one step further to use that data to demonstrate to your customers that you know them, know who they are, that relationship they have with you as a checking, checking with a checking account matters. And it makes a difference when they come to you to get a mortgage or a credit Mm -hmm. card. 
Mm-hmm. And so you can actually extend offers, you know, pre-approved, guaranteed types right. of offers right. because of the fact that you have so much information about them. And I love the fact that you you made the point about the customer experience and the relationship, because I do think that that's one of the things that people fear, right? About transformative experiences that are being so um, heavily driven by technology is that fear of I'm not going to have, there's no real person on the backside of whatever is happening. And the reality is that transformative process at an industry level is not just outward facing, but I assume it's very much inward facing as well, that that same transformative experience that the customer has, has transformed the company internally as well. Yes? Absolutely. For sure. And that's that's the thing. When you think about the data, there's there's really two different ways you can leverage it. And the, the sweet spot is when you can find initiatives that serve both. So for example, if you can use that data to Um, show your customers you know them and provide a better customer experience. But at the same time, because of the fact that you know that customer and have all of that data, on the back end, you can fast track your operations. You can fast track your underwriting. You can fast track how long it takes you to close that loan because you have the data to support that, that process. And so you can really also use it to drive a lot of internal efficiencies and Mm -hmm. operational gains as well. Um, but it really comes down to that that kernel of am I being very deliberate about figuring out how to harness the data and the technology platforms to to um, really capitalize on the value it can provide? Yeah, absolutely. And again, I think that the the platform piece is really intriguing to me, right? Because I think in many ways that that's that's the piece that folks because it's I can feel it, I can touch it depending on what we're talking about. You know, I I can dig down and understand it. This is that thing. But the data that's on the back side of it and it's it's there's so much power in data. It doesn't matter what what we're talking about. The reality is, in this day and age, there is data about whatever that, that conversation, that topic, that research, that need that you have. There is probably data out there in the world, right? And what, what, I, what I love about, um, you know, really sort of infusing teaching and learning with an understanding of big data and the potential of data is to help folks understand that data can, in fact, help you Get where you're trying to go because it gives you the backbone, the foundational knowledge necessary ultimately to make decisions, to make change, to be innovative and transformative. And yet I think lots of folks really, really struggle with understanding data itself because you can't see it and touch it all the time. So as a, as a company that is innovating in this data space, how do you rationalize that piece on behalf of your customers? Because what I love about it is the fact that you said we're creating this great customer experience, which you are, and it's totally driven by this thing that the customer can't see or touch. Mm-hmm. And yet without that, the innovations that that, that you're, 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 you're putting forward wouldn't happen in the same way. So, so how is it that um, the generalized consumer or community could, could better understand or think about the power of data, do you think, so that it, it gets into the, the point where it becomes not just, I'm, I'm not even talking about sort of a commonality around understanding big data, but, but really what we're going to get to in the next piece of the conversation is then how do we take all that understanding and say, let's infuse this understanding in sort of that K-12 or that skills building potential. Mm-hmm. 
And I don't think we can have that conversation without understanding how the heck is it that you get just the real world folks to understand that 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 the data piece is so important. Right. Yeah. You know, I would even take it in a different direction to say, do we want the customer to have full awareness of the data or should it actually be almost transparent to them? If you think about your experience when you go to Amazon and they provide you phenomenal recommendations of things to buy and you know that whole ecosystem mm-hmm. of here's what you would shop for, here's what other people shop for, you know, here's books that I recommend. We often, I think we've gotten to a point where we don't question how are they doing it. We just absorb it and we we appreciate, okay, you know, they know who I am. My relationship here matters to me, matters to the organization. They're using this data for good. And I think that's, that's really the underlying component is that we have to use the data to provide value and benefit to the customer um, in a way that makes sense. So it's not, we're not purely using it for uh, operational gain, right, but rather right. for the customer's benefit. Right. And along the way, I think inherently you will see operational gain as well um, as a byproduct of that. Right, absolutely. So now the really tough question. So how yeah. do you how do you take that understanding at the industry, world of work, consumer, take your pick, you know, all the all the different different elements, essentially, if you will, of the adult world, right? The career, the 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 space that that we live and work in. How do you, or what pieces of that, um, Jasmine, do you then pull apart in a meaningful way and translate into a student experience where the end goal is to be ready for whatever the world throws at you, right? You're, you're a parent, so I, you know, mm-hmm. the, the question that I'm asking in the sense is, how do we then sort of take the experience, the work experience, and the understanding of what's going on that you have in your, your everyday, your work world, and find the meaningful ways to help utilize that in preparing students to move forward? And that's a big, giant, hairy, audacious question. I realize that, you know, at the end of the day, the question that teachers always ask us is, well, we recognize that, that um, you know, the changing pace of technology and AI, and they'll throw out all these different innovations that are happening because they can see them all around us. We're, we're using them right now today. If you think about uh, the changing in, in uh, video conferencing software that has just, you know, expanded exponentially in a very short period of time. And yet, how do we recognize that that's the world we're going to live in and translate that into small nuggets of something we can teach? Yeah, it's a fabulous question. There's there's a lot there's a lot we can unpack there. I I think I would start with it's probably a, a couple of different areas that if we can just encourage the mindset, mm-hmm. it will help organically cultivate that behavior. And so, one aspect would be thinking through things that we take for granted today, for example, you know, the Amazon recommendations, mm-hmm. encouraging students to, to pull back a layer on that and think through how did Amazon get to providing those great recommendations for us? How does a, an organization know so much about us? And really getting people to think a little bit more deliberately mm-hmm. about the data and the technology, I think may spark uh, an interest in folks in figuring out, you know, it's almost the engineering but from a more, I don't want to say theoretical perspective, but it's not, you know, taking apart a car or, you know, tinkering with something with your hands, but still tinker with it with your mind Mm -hmm. and think about how did they come to these conclusions and these recommendations. And I think the same thing is encouraging people to 
not feel like digital innovation is limited to just high-tech organizations. Right, and right. You know, how can students still find ways to be a big fish, maybe in a smaller pond or a different pond? Mm-hmm. Because coming back to the to the opening comment, every organization is going to need these types of skills. And so figuring out ways to apply them in low-tech or other types of industries will really be a true differentiator for students as they build out those skill sets. And I'd say the third piece is really being very creative around how you can apply that data or technology or those insights that you have. So thinking outside the box in terms of here's other data that exists you know, in the cloud or in the app store or somewhere else, how do you merge that with the data that your particular school or organization or company might have Mm -hmm. to create something really new and innovative and different um, that can be a differentiator. Uh, But I think fostering that sort of growth mindset and encouraging people to really think outside the box and apply the technology and data to it is is really going to be the foundation. Yeah, absolutely. And and so do you have thoughts around the question of, you know, the rate and pace of technological change is just it's some some days, quite frankly, some days, not not yes. just months, but years, but some days it's really difficult to fathom because you know, uh, you know, the I just step back and think about, you know, in, in my uh, my Apple app um, store, right? The number of apps that I may have downloaded at any given time, right, that are going to need these spontaneous updates because there's something happening on the back end or sets of back ends, plural, right? Um, mm-hmm. That's causing the need for something to be tweaked, to be changed, you know, and, and it is it's never ending. And so, you know, my question, you know, as it relates to the way schools in particular are thinking about the technology piece, you know, my argument to them is always the technology itself is less important than understanding the skill sets to be agile, to be mindful, to be creative and innovative, and ultimately being able to utilize a the, the technology itself, or back to your point, the data that comes from that. Um, and yet that becomes this really big differentiator. And in some respects, depending on where you are, it can also be a have versus the have-nots with school districts as it relates to technology. So if you were advising a school district, how would you how would you recommend that they think about the physical technologies themselves versus the skills um, about being a- agile and ready to utilize? Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I, I completely agree with you. I think the technologies themselves evolve so rapidly. And, um, you know, that's something that you have to be able to learn. So learn how to learn the new technologies. But from my perspective, the more important skills are the the ones that will stay with you, that will not become obsolete, like being able to be nimble, being able to be agile, being able to bridge that gap between technology and business and being able to be creative and and think through how do you leverage technology and data as a platform to be able to create something new, to transform the customer experience, to drive change um, in a particular space. I think those are the those are the skills that are that are going to be invaluable and live on long beyond a student's uh, K-12 or high school or college careers, but that they'll be able to apply 
regardless of what industry they're in or what specific functional field that they choose. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I I truly, truly appreciate that a lot because that is exactly the thing that I see. You know, I can walk into, uh, you know, a school that, you know, has very few upgrades. And I mean, both the physical space, the technological space, you know, take your pick, right? And and yet there can be some of the most innovative, creative places they're producing students um, that are going on to do really amazing things because somewhere along the, the line, they recognize, well, we're not going to be able to upgrade all the infrastructure all the time in ways that some other schools might be able to do. Um, But we're going to be really deliberate about making sure that we are constantly upgrading the way we're thinking about and teaching students to be thinkers, to be problem solvers, right? Um, So I think that's a big piece. But I do want to circle back around, you know, on the the premise of the conversation today and really sort of digging into your wealth um, and depth as it relates to uh, digital innovation and ask the question that I know that, you know, our listeners or viewers will be interested in. And that's what's coming. What do we, what should we be prepared for? And that's less to put you on the spot and more to say, if we have to distill it down to not necessarily to a particular technological thing, although if you, you have insights on that, we definitely want to hear them, but really more, what, what should we be preparing for in terms of the way that we think or have, have skills ready, ready to deploy? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I think after everything that's happened in this this past you know year, you've you've heard the phrase I'm sure you know hindsight is twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. But if you think about the year twenty twenty, and now that that's finally behind us, um, I think we'll find that that was really a pivot point or a marker in terms of not hindsight but rather foresight. And it's going to be you know really a a marker for huge technological and cultural change. And I think that what we will find is that changes that would have maybe typically taken 5, 10, 15 years to become mainstream are now being completely accelerated as a result of what we went through last year. And so using that, I think even as a as a, a guide almost, right? If, mm-hmm. if people are very cognizant and deliberate about thinking through what changed that past year and what what are the major technological and cultural things that happened um, that we wouldn't have foreseen or that maybe were just in their infancy and now have become mainstream, I think gives us some clues into what's coming. Um, over the next several years that we've that we've now just accelerated. So I think that's that's one interesting way of, of potentially thinking about it. I think the other way is really just thinking about the mashups that we will start to see. I think we'll start to see more blurred lines between either functional areas, business, technology, data, um, infrastructure, as well as blurred lines geographically because it doesn't matter where you are for your job to work if everybody's working remotely or, right, um, right. you know, all the, all those kinds of changes that we've seen um, culturally, I think, will give us clues into, into what the world is going to look like over the next several years. Yeah, I, I think that you're right. And I'm hopeful that the the rate and pace of the technological sort of changes that have happened as a result of what we've all lived through in 2020, I mean, if we step back and think about it, the vaccine um, alone, right? Because, you know, a process that would take 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and suddenly in 10 months we said we have to have this, therefore we're going to. That That's a real right. shift, both technological, scientifically, but culturally and socially as well. 
Mm-hmm. And those those types, so it's my hope, I guess, to step back again, that, that we're going to see that some of those components of acceleration continue, especially as we think about, you know, the understanding, having a better understanding of the cultural diversity of the world and the environment and all of those other 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 components that will just make it, a, a, you know, a, um, a better place to be collectively, if you will. But I, I wanna I wanna sort of think about closing our conversation by tapping into one of the other things um, that, that I'm really curious about because JP Morgan Chase is noted for having a very robust internship, highly competitive internship program. And I'm I'm not asking you so much about the internship program, but I but I'm really curious, you know, over the years as as interns, young associates, take your pick, interns, um, volunteers, folks find themselves crossing the threshold into an, into into this particular company. There's going to be students that are incredibly successful in learning in, in that moment and students who struggle to learn in that moment. And I'm really sort of curious if you have any thoughts about what do you think the differentiator is and then how could we translate those sort of success. And, and and the reason I'm really asking the question is less about your company and more about the notion of trying to get young people real, and I mean real, not job shadowing, take your kid to work day. Those are all wonderful. That's not what I'm suggesting that they're not. But, but there's this real need somehow to connect a group of students, a generation of students who have grown up with technology almost being physically attached to them and then we need to put them inside of a real workspace and that sort of disconnect of how these students understand about what how it is a to interact in that space and b to take advantage of the opportunity to learn in that space yeah yeah, that's that's a great question. I've had a number of interns, um, both through my work at JP Morgan Chase and other roles that I've been in. And I'll say probably three key things that if any intern can do as they think about that experience, that would really serve them well. One is just taking initiative. So when you come in, I know it's probably very scary, right? You're coming new. <laughs> into a, a big new space. You don't know the the um, the the product or the role, you know, you're, you're jumping into the deep end to figure out what to do. And my advice would be, don't be scared. Like just take initiative. Everyone knows that, that you're fresh into that space and just dive right in, find ways to provide value and contribute, ask a lot of questions and absorb everything you can. And I think the second thing, which really goes with that is maintain a very open mindset um, of what can you learn from this? No one expects you to know everything, but if you come at it from the perspective of how can I help? What can I do here? How can I contribute? That really goes a long way. And the third, which both of those first two will help um, help a student do, is build relationships. The most important thing that they can do in that environment is build relationships with folks that are in that organization. Find a mentor, find a sponsor, find someone that can point you in the right direction to find the skills that you need. Because I really believe, and and this is a quality I look for in people even when I'm hiring, is not the hard skills, but rather the soft skills. Are you able to bring that sense of agility, um, that sense of collaboration, partnership, work well with others? Um, Those are really the important transferable skills that um, that I think employers are are really looking for today. And being 
able to learn. If you can demonstrate your ability to learn, you can pick up virtually any technology skill or business skill or um, application that you might be using as long as you're coming at it from the right mindset. And that's going to be even more critical moving forward, I, I, I believe, in the sense that the, the lifetime of one's work has shifted fairly radically in the last 10, 15, 20 years. You know, we don't view retirement in quite the same way, right? People are living longer. And because we have this natural human longevity shift that's happened, you know, folks in many ways want to be able to engage and contribute in that meaningful work and, and work and career is, is, is part and parcel to many folks' identity. And so we're ultimately, I suspect we're going to see the fact that careers are longer than they were before. And you can't maintain that career longevity, I suspect, um, if you're not agile, if you don't love to learn, because how many times would one suspect you're going to have to retool yourself or retool your skills to stay relevant in the industry that you're in or even to be part of a new one? I I, I suspect that long-term, that's going to be one of those pieces that everybody's going to have to be really um, thinking about. Yeah, I agree. And that's one of those foundational skills. Coming back to your earlier Mm -hmm. question about what can teachers and educators do to really help their students, regardless of the physical or technology uh, offerings that they have, to really help their students be successful in the world beyond school. Absolutely. I always love to close the program, um, Jasmine, uh, recognizing that there's some some teacher out there that just got all jazzed about what they heard, uh, but are sitting there thinking, you know, I don't have a great industry partner that's already lined up, you know, with my school, or, you know, I don't have a post-secondary that's c- close enough to me that I could go find these great innovative um, um, folks like Jasmine. But yet I know that I want to think about the way I approach my own own teaching and learning in my classroom differently. Um, so what advice, what, what one piece of, of something would you, would you tell a, a teacher saying, hey, I want to transform uh, my classroom, my, my students, the experience that they have to get them ready to go and work for Jasmine? That's a great question. <laughs> um, I would say really try to leverage the resources within your own community. So, you know, fabulous organizations like the Past Foundation mm-hmm. and other local resources that are really available to help um, help educators uh, in a very hands-on, meaningful way, as well as just reach out to your network. You use LinkedIn, use other tools to find someone who works at an organization. It might not be that specific individual, but they will be happy to connect you mm-hmm. to someone else in that organization that will help provide um, a mentoring relationship or come into the classroom and give a talk or provide guidance in some other meaningful way. I think just reaching out and making that personal connection will go a long way. And people people want to help genuinely believe that. And so by connecting with the right the right organizations and the right people, I think that will that will help foster that relationship that they're looking for. I wholeheartedly agree. You know, it is rare that when we reach out on behalf of a school in some community anywhere around the world to some of the local community or industry folks um, and saying, hey, you know, here's the need that we have. Here's what we're looking for. We we always find volunteers. And I just, I think part of it is getting over the fear of going and asking others to be part of your journey. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. 
So thank you, Jasmine, very much for taking time out of your day uh, to have a conversation with us uh, about digital innovations. And we're really, really um, excited about the work that you're doing and looking forward to all the all the next great innovations that, that, that come out of come out of come your way. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Annalise. Yeah, we appreciate it. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education. <laughs>